Hey, how's it going? Good. I'm still waiting for Hero. <laughs> so we it, know. It wouldn't totally surprise me if Hero isn't a morning person. You may not be. <laughs> I just have this sense from what I know that Hero might not be. Ah, there he is. Good morning. Is Hero a morning person? I am such a morning person. Shalom. How are uh, you? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How are it, you? I'm doing very well. It's so lovely to see you. I, love, I was just telling Rachel that I, I thought there was a slight chance that you might not be a morning person. Oh, I. you know what's really interesting is that I am not a morning person. Not at all. Uh -huh. I, I'm not sure what gave that away. I said nothing. I said nothing. But the funny thing is, Nicole, if before you popped on, if, if here when I had a chance to discuss things, I would have totally um, jabbed you a little bit for that anyway, because that's just what we do. So we totally do it. I mean, what kind of what kind of discussion would it be if we didn't? Exactly. If there was no jabs, there'd be no point in talking. Exactly. And Rachel, you're wearing the same damn sweater as you were yesterday. Rachel, what's going on? I'm actually not. I haven't worn this in months. Well, this is a new sweater, so I mean, maybe you should check your wardrobe. Damn it! <laughs> you're you're feisty, but you know what? You're going to see the recording we did yesterday. You're going to be like, "Yeah, she wasn't wearing that sweater yesterday." No, but you know what? Though it's okay. Nicole won't see that until tomorrow. So. Who were you interviewing yesterday? We were interviewing a woman named Kristen Zerbin, who is the okay. creator of Hoochie Booch Kombucha. <laughs> nice that sounds yes. great yes <laughs> i don't really i can't do kombucha it doesn't really agree with me it's okay a lot of people it doesn't actually so you know no there's a little bit of a number on my digestion but it's supposed to be very good for your digestion right that's one of its things the gut health apparently yes the gut health yes mm -hmm. but what we learned nicole is that a lot of kombuchas that you buy in a store they're full of not just added sugar, but so many different kinds of fruit juices with the acidity that actually there's some of them actually are not great on your stomach. Although oh, okay. be so it's yeah. So it just depends, depends on the booch, I guess. I need to check out the hoochie booch. Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. so nice to see you, Nicole. Me too. How have you been? I've been what doing pretty question. I've been doing pretty good. I mean, I I have definitely I think, you know, a lot of people are saying this. It's like a, the pandemic has definitely had me be present to all the ways in which I possess a lot of privilege. Um and yes, there's also been kind of a blanket of fear and anxiety and kind of depression in there and all that stuff. Um, Absolutely. And a lot of, yeah, like a lot of unexpected things too. Like I, I really thought when the pandemic first happened last spring, like I'm going to lose my job. <clears throat> like yeah. my career is just going to go into the toilet because everywhere I was working was totally in crisis. And so I decided that I would sort of, look into getting my master's degree in counseling because it was something that I'd always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I thought, well, it seems like a, probably a good field to get into now. And obviously yoga therapy is going to go the way of the dodo bird because it's already a hustle to keep that going. So I applied for and got into this program and the work didn't stop. 
the work stayed, which is good, you yeah. know, but it, what it's ended up being is just like a very, very full, you know, without using the B word, a very, very full time. So there's been that too. There's like a lot of gratitude and um, a lot of good stuff happening and then a little bit of overwhelm and everything that's happening on the planet. Yeah. Well, kind of like that. Yeah. 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 Well, and interestingly, I mean, with what you do, I mean, I would, I would have been surprised if you were out of a job just only because of, you know, with mental health uh, being at the forefront. I mean, it's like a second pandemic. That's what kind of what everyone's been saying with what's been happening the past year that um, if anything, I think people need it more than ever. Although with that being said, I'm, I, and you know, we didn't get a chance to introduce you fully. Um, I'm not exactly sure what you are doing exactly right now at this time. Cause I know you've done multiple things and, you know, done teaching other teachers and, you know, have your own private practice and, um, mm -hmm. all those kinds of things. So maybe explain to us what, um, who, who is Nicole right now? <laughs> I know, maybe not who, not who was Nicole from, you know, many, many years, but who is Nicole now? What has Nicole been doing now? <laughs> uh, I mean, in, in terms of work, it's very much the, the same kind of work that I've been doing since about 2010. Okay. So I'm, um, I have a private practice where I see folks one-to-one, -one, folks who might identify themselves as um, being trauma survivors. Um, I have my own business called Fine Balance Yoga, where I um, facilitate trauma-informed yoga teacher trainings to mental health professionals, to yoga teachers, to yoga therapists. Um, I'm the director of teacher training and mentorship for a nonprofit organization called Yoga Outreach. And um, Yoga Outreach, among other great things, uh, trains volunteer yoga teachers in trauma-informed yoga theory and techniques and then places them into organizations that serve populations of people that might not otherwise get access to yoga programming. Yeah. Um, I'm working as a yoga therapist at a wellness center down in Yale Town called Boreal Wellness where um, I have the honor of being able to support first responders and public safety personnel who are mm -hmm. off work with a diagnosis of PTSD in this 10-week trauma day treatment program. I'm working uh, with women who are fleeing situations of human trafficking at uh, Deborah's Gate. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's it's a lot, and you know, like a lot of yoga teachers, it's like uh, sort of different gigs here and there, and yeah. it's all very satisfying. And, and yeah, it's uh, it's a lot. No kidding. Like a lot. And how? blessed are you not just yourself but the people that are able to receive all the knowledge and all the lessons that you have to share with them you know it makes a big oh, difference that's kind well for sure though right i mean in an industry where a lot of people me included have been very much um you know taken taken back a little bit to be able to mm -hmm. have um a niche and an outlet where not only are you needed but also you are specialized in that area and that those people can receive your, your gifts yeah. is huge. Yeah, I feel like I managed to get like positioned in a very unique way and not a way that's always been easy, right? It was sort of like, this is what I'm interested in. This is what I want to do. But, you know, 10 years ago, we were talking to people about using yoga as a way to address um, the aftermath of traumatic experience. And people would look at you like just no idea what you're talking about mm -hmm. or you'd be at a party and they'd sort of walk away. It's not a good, 
party starter. <laughs> right. Right. That's fair. You know, nobody's nobody wants to hear about that at the party. So fair. Fair. but now it's it's you know, it's it's more widely recognized. Certainly, you know, somatic psychotherapy is really popular now. Right. A lot of people doing that. So this idea of bringing the body into trauma treatment is absolutely more widely recognized. So I'm happy about that. And um. I don't think I would have lasted if, if I was a studio teacher, you know, there just, there wasn't enough there for me. And, and I think that there are different people that get a lot out of that, but it, it just wasn't, it wasn't necessarily my place, which I'm sure you all understand. Oh yeah. <laughs> Rachel, sure. you had a studio, right? have a small studio. Yeah. And we, I like how I downplay it. Like it's a small studio, but yes, I, I did have, I had a, well, cause as in size, it was a small community minded studio. Um, yeah, we've we've had like Hero and I've had very open conversations about the yoga community in Vancouver and just, mm. you know, kind of not that we want to burn any bridges, but being fairly open and honest about how how it operates and, you know, how the corporate corporations or the larger larger studios have, you know, had taken over in the past, but even even how they've struggled, you know, and it's yeah. It's not for, I mean, we all, you know, we say that certain professions are not for the faint of heart, but being, it's like being a yoga teacher really is not. I mean, and we also talk about how the fact that, you know, the training that we went through, um, and I would hope that it changes, but I feel like uh, the, the, the business side of yoga really needs to be at the forefront, especially living in Vancouver. I know yoga was never meant to be something that you were supposed to get a monetary exchange for, but that's just the reality of living in even especially in Vancouver and the the prices that we have to pay to to survive in the city mm. so it's um it's something that we yeah we're both pretty passionate about talking about and to be honest Nicole like I I got out of that um a couple few years ago I live in the Okanagan now so yeah I kind of followed that a little bit I had that sense and then I had a little bit of um communication with the person who had taken over your studio so I knew that you had made that transition yeah. So I just, you know, I, I kind of had had enough um, with not just yoga, but just, I just wanted a clean slate in a bit of a different yeah. style, not just about the yoga, but just, you know, I wanted to find it again. And if this is not, the conversation is not about me, but I wanted it feels, I sort of feel like making it about you because I haven't seen you both in so long. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It'll be a collaboration. But yeah. same same about you. I mean, and I, and Nicole, like, and just to bring it back to you, I mean, I, I'll never forget. I know I only did a very short training with you. It was like three mm. days at East Side Yoga mm. um, or Ocean and Crow mm. in East Van, but I, I'll never, ever forget that because it's something, you know, I would almost, I would almost say that almost every person walking into a yoga studio as a, as a student or almost every, every human has dealt with some form of trauma in their life. Like whether it be, you know, if you want to measure it, whether it be a speck, whether it be a enormous planet that's on their shoulder. I mean, so, mm -hmm. but it, but your training, I mean, what, what we talk about how to create this environment that is, you know, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. That's, that's open for, everybody is not something we get taught in teacher trainings in your your average teacher training which I think is so key there's certain like major things I think that are missing that and the business of yoga I think mm -hmm. so, yeah. anyway yeah I absolutely hear that and and certainly when I have 
I often run into students and because I work in, in different yoga therapy training schools, right? Uh, yeah. And I often have folks wanting to know about more training. What other training should I do? Da, 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 da. And, and pretty much straight across the board, I say, take a small business course. Awesome. <laughs> take it from the only child who thought that, you know, when I completed this master's degree in yoga therapy studies, that I was going to burst out into the world you know, and people were going to want me. Mm -hmm. This is the curse of the only child. (laughs) And lo and behold, you know, it's been a very rocky ride the last 11 years to come to terms with the fact that I'm running a business. And I didn't really want to do that you know, and I didn't really have a lot of innate skill. I, I did take a small business course, but it's it's not second nature to me. And I, I think that people just don't understand that. And so often when I'm teaching, I say, you know, this is entrepreneurial. There's not, not going to be a job waiting for you. Yes. <laughs> Nobody's advertising roles for yoga teachers or yoga therapists in the health authority or whatever it is that you're interested in doing, you have to do that. And um, it takes a lot of determination. It takes a lot of chutzpah. It takes a lot of like, absolutely. You know, you got to be willing to put yourself forward. So Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes there's a misunderstanding of that. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there are all the ways in which monetizing a spiritual practice is incredibly problematic. And all of the ways in which it's very problematic for someone who doesn't have yoga woven into their ancestry to be appropriating that spiritual practice and monetizing it, right? So it's... Yeah. It's a, I, I can understand wanting to move to the Okanagan and get a clean slate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I get it, right? I totally <laughs> get it. But, Hero, let's move to the Okanagan oh and get God, a clean we, slate with Rachel. Can we get a clean slate and I can start drinking wine because I've never drank in my, in my life. <laughs> and then we can see how I do with, you know, being a wine connoisseur. There you go. I know, totally. It sounds like so fluffy and beautiful and lovely. But honestly, like I, I left, speaking of trauma, like that, that studio traumatized me. We didn't end here when I haven't actually got into all the, the ways that it did. But I... um because we, we kind of slowly started to talk about the surface of the studio, but, um, you know, being, being a small business owner and carrying the whole thing on your shoulders and not that I didn't ask for help, but, um, I tried to do it all on my own and it was, um, and I, I come from a, a long background for myself of things, you know, generalized anxiety disorder and OCD and blah, 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 and depression and mm-hmm. all those things. I mean, I had a couple of like honest mental breakdowns for lack of better words i mean i do not doubt it at all the the studio system is totally dysfunctional mm-hmm. and obviously like trying to take on that kind of system on your own very difficult um it, it's a very <laughs> very rough business and and it it's yeah people are it's interesting because as a as a yoga teacher or yoga therapist people often think that you know our sort of ultimate desire is to own a studio 
Mm-hmm. And I, I have people say that to me a lot. And I'm just like, no, that's like my, my biggest nightmare. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I appreciate people that do. I appreciate people that do it well and who create spaces for community gather, you know, as a, as, as someone who's uh, interested in supporting trauma survivors, I understand the importance of community, of connection as a way of um, breaking isolation, you know, creating relationships. So I'm always grateful for people that want to create those spaces for community, but it's a, it's a tough gig. And it doesn't surprise me that you had some really, really hard experiences there. And I think that, you know, um, I think that what I was doing is I was bringing, I have a lot of business knowledge. I have like marketing and sales experience for many years. So I was like, well, yeah. this, like maybe I knew a lot of business studio owners who were, didn't have that background and they only maybe had the yoga. So like, you know what, maybe I can do this. There was, there was that in it, but the reality is that it's just, it's, it's not really a feasible business plan in, in no. Vancouver necessarily. Um, now with that being said, it, just to bring it back to you, Nicole, like just thinking about, um, you know, how you bring something, I know the word passion is totally overused, but I'm going to say it anyway, something you're passionate about, something that you've used for yourself, for your own healing mm-hmm. with yoga. And then now you bring it into, I mean, I know it's been many years now, but you bring it into what you use as a tool to help other people, mm. um, on a daily basis. And you're talking about how, how many different facets, how many different things you're, you're doing. And it's, and it's all very, it's, it's fairly heavy. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you find that you, cause with me, like I started to lose that zest for yoga. Do you mm. find that for yourself that you get, you teeter on that balance? Like, how do you, <laughs> what zest, um, <laughs> you know, the thing that, you know, you, you, you grind off of citrus fruit, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I do, but I think that one of the compulsions that I have, that human beings have, and that I certainly possess, is the compulsion to um, cultivate meaning. Mm-hmm. So I cultivate a lot of meaning from the work that I do. And I think that that's one of the aspects of my way of doing the work that has it feel a little more sustainable. So I'm okay. I'm clear about the why of my work and I'm clear about the outcomes. I'm clear about the value of it. I'm clear uh, and and always getting clearer about the complexities of it. Um and there are many layers of, of complexities. You know, some of that's rooted in issues of, you know, the perpetuation of, of colonization and, and um, mm-hmm. cultural appropriation and really yeah. diving into that conversation and looking at ways to address harm and ameliorate that and be responsible for that and uplift folks who have historically been marginalized and, and use, you know, my privilege and um, the, the listening that I have in the community to bring other people in. Like I get to do that a lot in yoga outreach, which I love. Um, And then there's just also being really clear. I think that where I would get burnt out, in yoga was when I felt like there wasn't a lot of meaning. And that was sort of happening for me about five years into 
teaching in studios because I did a lot of that work, right? Like I was a power yoga teacher. And I started to come into this place where although I understand that yoga is inherently, has the potential to be inherently therapeutic, Mm -hmm. there was something missing for me, kind of like the why of what I was doing and and the real, having a real understanding of the, the outcome or the potential outcome. A lot of the times I left feeling like an aerobics instructor and there's nothing wrong with being an aerobics instructor if that's what you choose, you know, but it hadn't been the choice that I had was sit that was sitting very well with me at that point. And because I was trained very much in a post lineage fashion. Yeah. And I don't have yoga woven into my ancestry. I felt even more confused about what the F I was doing. Mm-hmm. So getting a deeper grounding, you know, in particular in trauma center, trauma sensitive yoga, and starting to understand more deeply who I was and who I wasn't. Yeah what I was doing and what I wasn't doing and starting to be really straight with people about that instead of pretending that I actually was an expert in yoga, which of course I'm not and I never will be. Stuff's really started to open up a lot more for me. And so I feel very fueled by all of that now. There's, I've been able to find meaning and I've been able to identify some of the problematic pieces that were always sort of niggling at me and start to address some of those. Mm-hmm. Um, Love that. So most of the time I feel really excited about the work that I do and, and really energized. It's just sometimes managing it all feels like a lot. Does that make sense what I'm saying? I, I, I try to be sort of diplomatic when I'm talking and I think sometimes it can make what I'm saying a little unclear. No, nope. no, no. When it, okay. when, it, when it comes to being diplomatic, you are in an <laughs> indus- you're in an industry and in a side of the industry that is very sensitive and has people that might be listening and tuning in, um, not just on our podcast, but just in general. You're in a certain positioning where your language is even more has even more impact than the, mm-hmm. than another individual might. So with Rachel and myself, like on the podcast, we're very candid, but we also meet our guests where they are at. Mm-hmm. And so every conversation is a little bit different. And we knew when we were going to have you come onto our show, having worked with you even minimally in our past, mm-hmm. we know how to gauge and how to understand the people that we might be reaching through the guests we have. Cool. So you let mm-hmm. yourself express what you need to share in the tone and in the frequency that is authentic to you. Um, okay. Cause that's what our podcast is about. So the fact that you shared what you've shared already so far, um, and we're just getting into this is really beautiful, you know, and awesome. And you've been through a lot and you've experienced a lot and you're quite transparent about that. And you don't have to share any of that if you don't want to either. That's not mm-hmm. why I'm saying this, but this is your place to feel safe in, in our home to <laughs> really just be really authentic and real. And we like to pull the mask off of our guests in the sense of just be who you need to be right now, right? Mm-hmm. There's no agenda. Well, you know, as the only child of two therapists, I do love to talk about myself. <laughs> 
So, you know, please, please don't. You notice how when you emailed me, I got right back to you. And I was yes. like, of course, I'd love to talk about myself with you. Yes, I'm, I'm the same way, though. I mean, what do you talk about? Not the stereotype Jews, but Jews not talking about themselves. I mean, is there such a thing? And <laughs> so are you Jewish, Nicole? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On my mother's side. Okay, there you go. So you're actually, you're actually a Jew. I, uh, well... <laughs> I'm not a great Jew. I'm sort of an average Jew, We're but I, I am. Yeah. I, and it's actually, it's a, it's a big, it's, it's, it's funny to joke about, but it's, it's one of these pieces that I feel is, is really missing for me. You know, and again, this is one of these aspects of colonization. The, the colonizers also lose their connection to heritage, to spirituality, mm. to ritual, to language, and it's it's a piece that's quite sad for me. I feel like culturally I have a little bit of it, um, but it feels like a missing piece for me, for sure. Me, yeah. me too, actually. That's interesting mm -hmm. that you say that. Like, I, I do feel, I feel like I almost have a, uh, maybe having a right is the wrong way to put it, but I, I, I feel like I should be doing more with the heritage that I have or, or learn more about it. And also, and we've talked about this in our podcast a few times, but speaking of trauma, there's a big topic that's been around for a few years around trauma and surrounding it, which is intergenerational trauma. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. So we had um, a doctor on our show from the Mount Sinai um, university uh, named mm -hmm. Dr. Rachel Yehuda. Oh my goodness. I know Dr. Rachel Yehuda. I know her work. Could Talking about epigenetics and stuff. Mm -hmm. And oh. we had Jeannie Becker on with us at the same so, time. Oh, you two are like superstars. Is this mm, whole mm, podcast mm, went thank you up much. and no. up and up there. Mm. You had me at Dr. Rachel Yehuda. Mm, you gotta she, check it out. Yeah, and she, I mean, we were blessed. I can't believe that was such an er so, so early on. I mean, our show is still yeah. six months old, but still... Um, but with that being said, I mean, both Hero and I being from Holocaust surviving grandparents, mm -hmm. both of us, um, uh, both from Poland, I think, right, Hero? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Poland and Lithuania. And, right. And just, you know, there's, there's so many layers to trauma. Like, I can't even, you know, there's so many things that I feel like in my life that when I react to things, I'm like, is that even really me? Or is it, it spiritually, is it someone speaking through me from my past? Like, I don't even... It's a very confusing thing. Like, I don't, do you do any work with in that realm, Nicole, or have you? Um, I certainly do work supporting um, indigenous folks. Yes. Uh, both in my private practice and offering programs um, through Yoga Outreach. So Yoga Outreach has two different programs happening right now, uh, both of which we've been able to uh, move forward through grants. Um, one is a collaboration between Yoga Outreach and an organization called Cedar and Gold um, and a, a uh, yoga teacher and a PhD candidate and a mother whose name is uh, Jessica Barudin. So um, we've had the honor of collaborating with her to develop something called the First Nations Women's Yoga Initiative, which is an 80-hour um, 
trauma-informed yoga training that's uh, woven in with indigenous understandings around um, healing wow. uh, and, uh, you know, topics like neurodecolonization. And then there's also a, a language component. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a program that was designed primarily for Kwakwakala Kwakwakala women. So that's been kind of incredible. And then we're also developing a program um, uh, in collaboration called the Indigenous Children in Youth Yoga and Mindfulness Project uh, through Yoga Outreach. So I've had some, a little bit of experience doing, you know, uh, helping to hold space Mm -hmm. for folks who really... um, uh, might identify themselves as as still living with the impacts of intergenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's amazing though is that I think about when I first came across you, and when I was finished my two hundred hour, I knew that I wanted to do trauma sensitive training mm-hmm. even before I knew. Well, I think I must have researched the training beforehand, but I knew it's like, okay, I'll do my 200 first. And right away, mm-hmm. I just finished it, I think, two days prior. And then I mm-hmm. en- wow. stepped into your training. Um, yeah. And it was interesting when I saw you. And I remember we kind of looked at each other. And this might be my own delusion. And you were so cute with your blonde hair. Was I blonde at that time? I think so. <laughs> oh, my God. Blondes do right. have more fun. Baby hero. <laughs> yeah, I came in there. And I just remember you looked at me and you're like, oh you he's cute (laughs) oh i still got it with the women apparently (laughs) i but i remember just again because of our nature and energy there was this like some Mm. symbiosis there there was just something there and then after the training i came up here i said you and me are going to keep in touch and you're like i know yeah yeah (laughs) yeah because you see so many people obviously but i just knew that there was a kinship from the very beginning and i just remember like Huh, she's gonna love this that I'm saying this, but my friend Katrine Steben, who was in your mm-hmm. training and came in beside me, she came in late. And it's funny because she's always chronically late. So it's funny we mentioned that I'm not a morning person. And so mm. she comes in, or no, you know what? Did I come? No, I came in late because I couldn't Did find I give it. you a hard time for being yeah. late. Yeah, you do, but it's fine. But I couldn't find the I couldn't find the room. So not that it's any shade, but it was yeah. in Rhodes Wellness College, right yeah. down. Do you remember Rhodes Wellness College, Rachel? I right. do. I mean, I remember. I'm working yeah. there right now, actually. Oh wow! Because there's a a yoga school that I work for, the Vancouver School of Healing Arts. Got oh yeah, they moved absorbed there. by them. Yes, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so I'm back there. So funny. So like when I showed into the building and everything, I knew where the building was, but because it was like, you go up to this floor, you go to the back and it's in this room. So I'm like, and then I go in and then I'm like, and then she, Katrina like flags mm-hmm. me and like tells me to sit right beside her. And now Katrina is one of my best friends is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because you, you were like, Oh, so thanks for coming in late. And I said, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I did not say thanks for coming in late. No, I can't. Re- I have a horrible. I did memory. not say that. No, I would never say that. A, I probably sensitive environment. I probably gave you the stink eye. Maybe, and then I was like, and that's a, what I'm you heard shit. in the stink eye. But yeah. I would never say that to no. someone. No, I was like, hi, I'm the little shit. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but it worked, considering hero like right, was it? I feel like you subconsciously did that today then. Cause oh my God. <laughs> did I? Well, you were late. 
Yeah, well, you know what, though? No, I usually set my alarm at 8 a.m. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you, but it is, it is. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm re- <laughs> but making you sweat. Uh... I'm really curious about the fact that you went to school in Boston. Mm-hmm. And are you, so not to, not to poo-poo Americans, but are you American? <laughs> Yes, I am American. I was born in Buffalo. Uh, My father was born in Ohio. My mother was born in Rochester. Um, Previous to that, my ancestors came over to North America, uh, Turtle Island, uh, right around World War I as political, economic, and religious refugees. Mm. Um, so my mother just gave up her U.S. citizenship. My father still has dual citizenship and I do too. Wow. So the, the master's degree that I did through Leslie university was called an independent study master's program. They, they don't have it anymore as far as I know. Um, you know, I was like a yoga teacher, like other yoga teachers and there were all these trainings that I was interested in taking and they're expensive and I couldn't get any academic credit for them. And I was sort of like, "Mm, I don't know if I want to be doing this. And I did a little research and I found this wonderful woman named Beth Gibbs down in, I believe she's in Boston who had completed her, master's degree in yoga therapy studies and I contacted her and said how did you do this and so not only did she direct me to the program at Leslie she actually became one of my academic advisors as well and so I found this program and essentially in this program what you did is you developed a two-year curriculum proposal so I inserted the yoga therapy training that I wanted to complete um a training in mindfulness-based stress reduction with um, John Kabat-Zinn and, and um, Saki Santorelli, a small business course, you know, and a couple of other pieces. And so I did the work associated with those programs as well as additional academic work around those programs. And then I did a, a research study, a thesis, a master's thesis, like a massive thing. Oh, um, And so I would go there. I was living in Vancouver, but I would fly to Boston three or four times a year in order to meet with my academic team and keep them on track. It's funny when you do a master's degree in some ways, it feels like you're kind of hurting them. But yeah, I am not a school person. (laughs) So I I, even close yet. Oh, my God. I went to Cap Cap College at the time when it was Cap College for a few years. I honestly... Never really had any idea what I wanted to do until more recently, I feel like. (laughs) But I'm exactly the same way. You know, I got kicked out of high school. I never graduated. Yeah. Uh, School was a total nightmare for me. I was like one of those classic Langara students. I I discovered student loans and I was there for like two and a half years and I accidentally got a diploma in classical studies. (laughs) It's just completely... Yeah, out of control. So I understand. I understand that. Mm -hmm. But I, I I guess that it's always been important to me to have I haven't really thought about this very much to have all that work and all that money be going into something that 
is, you know, has some kind of recognizable credential. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm certified in trauma-centered, trauma-sensitive yoga. The acronym for that is TCTSY-F. <laughs> Nobody knows what that is. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. And so not that it should make a difference, but I think to some extent it has made a difference in certain situations for me to have that. And I also understand that having access to education and having access to the resources to get at that education is a huge, huge privilege. I, I wonder as the science has caught up with, you know, finally proving that, for example, you know, trauma lives in parts of our body, that there's that mind gut connection, like all these types of things that, you know, maybe wasn't apparent before in the scientific community, but now over the past, maybe just a few years, that's become more apparent. So that's been maybe the reason why people are like, oh, okay, this, this makes sense because it's, it's proven, like it's more mm. proven. So do you, I, I wonder if it's, you know, now you're talking about your, your accolades and things you've done in your designations. Um, do you, do you feel like people are getting it more? finally? Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's been a huge expansion in the psychiatric community and the yeah. psychological community and the psychotherapeutic community around understanding trauma theory and the sort of physiological impacts of trauma. And Trauma is, as you said at the beginning, ubiquitous. It's universal, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's not necessarily, it, it, it's tied into social justice. You know, it's, it's tied into um, race-based trauma. It's tied into everything. Mm -hmm. So I think that there have been expansions for many reasons. Part of it is like empirical validation. Part of it uh, are social is social justice movements. True. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, what's happened in psychotherapeutic communities for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, people definitely understand the work a lot more. That's for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in the correlation of, the vast knowledge you have and the skill sets you've been able to acquire through your education and the people you've worked with. Um, how have you noticed in the last year with the shifts in politics, the shift in social dialogue, um, I guess, neutralization of human rights of people, like any, all of the stuff that is happening right now, have you noticed any shifts in yoga outreaches um, curriculum and your placement in what you're facilitating or the people that are facilitating those types of criteria or contents? Um, well, for many years, yoga outreach has been committed to practices of, of decolonization um, and cultivating more diversity and focusing on equity and inclusion. So there's been a shift in our offerings, I'd say for the last four or five years. Mm -hmm. um, and part of that has looked like um, centering BIPOC 
voices and so giving them platforms and there are a few different ways that we do that mm -hmm. we do that through knowledge development series which is like a series of workshops that people can kind of design their own thing and come in and you know we offer a platform for it part of that is our, our core two training which is sort of a, a a part two to our core one training the core one training is a a training in trauma-informed yoga that's really specific for people that want to volunteer with yoga outreach okay. and then the core two is rooted in all of the social justice pieces that we kind of skim on the surface in the core one but that we really wanted to dig a little deeper into and so we bring various facilitators in who have lived experiences of those different types of yeah who have lived experience basically to facilitate those pieces um we you know have re examined our tuition mm. and created a lot more scholarship positions and all of our programs are sliding scale. Oh, wow. Um, we have, yeah, so that organization has been changing a lot. And like all of that kind of change, it's always well 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 worth it and it can be rough sometimes you know because you're unpacking the ways in which you've been complicit and you know the ways in which you benefit off of the suffering or the oppression of other people so you know we can make those changes but sometimes the process of it has been rough yeah yeah it's the learning it's almost like the world's um, sort of almost caught up with what you guys have been doing for a number of years already. Not the world, but I mean, people, it's, you know, finally, a lot of those things are coming into the spotlight or coming into, into the spotlight, really. But it's, you know, you've already been kind of doing the work for a few years in that respect. Um, yeah, I feel like we have, but we, we don't talk about it very much in some ways. Do you know what I mean? Like we sort of just go about our business and we're yeah. very interested in you know cultivating relationships and staying humble and just step by step stepping in the right way working in the right way and you know being responsible in places where there's a uh, a call to be responsible and cleaning up messes when we're able to and sometimes you know we don't we don't get it totally right but we're very committed to the conversation and we're very committed to being in action despite our fumblings yeah you're gonna you know we're gonna fumble all the time especially when we're trying to create new content new movements new experiences for people um mm -hmm. and for the goodness of true intention of helping and there's many people that have had, and without naming any names, there have been people in our community that have made leaps and bounds to be inclusive and to help other people to create more, um, more gateways to expand people's knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there's are there, and there are going to be places of stumbling or ways of marketing, ways of communication that maybe were really well intentioned that maybe are not always right mm -hmm. and so that's just with any industry with any business that's trying to be authentic or any person that's trying to be a leader for something that whether mm. they are part of that demographic or they're trying to be an ally mm. there's so many different ways that can be misinterpreted or reinterpreted by the outside 
But the mm. fact that people are trying to do something about it, I think is what we need to focus on and mm-hmm. to understand that if it's coming from the proper intention of what they're trying to be um, putting out there, that how do we support those people that are trying to actually make a difference instead of scrutinizing or criticizing them? Cause they're not trying to do it on purpose. And if they were, it would be pretty clear if there was an, an ulterior motive, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's also always the conversation about intent versus impact and, you know, a place to be responsible for that. So we might be well-meaning and that's all well and good, but that doesn't mean that the impact is always correlate with that. Yeah. So like again, yeah. like I said, you know, the learning is not going to be easy. Mm-mm. In fact, sometimes it's going to be really um, difficult, but of course that pales in comparison to the lived experience of many, many, many people in our community and, and on the planet who are um, having a, a really hard time every day, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So that's another piece, right? Just remembering that, you know, the intention is not necessarily equal to the impact. No, for sure. And again, as Rachel and I speak about, we are very like-minded, but also quite different in our Mm -hmm. approach to how we've created our careers and our presences in in the community. Mm -hmm. And I've been very under the radar for a couple years now. And Mm -hmm. I am proud of being under the radar in a sense, Mm -hmm. because it allows me to express and to voice what is most important to what I feel is my dharma, my purpose um, Mm -hmm. as a human, but also in the lens of being a facilitator of the experience of yogic ethics, I guess, for lack of better terms or philosophies. Mm -hmm. And my point for that whole statement is it's not easy being authentic to who you are in a framework that people are so conditioned by what they think they should be like or how they have to be like. Mm -hmm. So if that means being a studio teacher, a teacher trainer, um, being a business operator, things in the yoga realm, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it'll eat you up, you know, and you can choose choose to, (laughs) you can choose to be eaten up if you want and get enough out of it until you, get swallowed and then you're like okay i've hit my threshold Mm -hmm. it's time for me to go you know Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what happened to me in a sense it's let me Mm -hmm. get it let me get what i needed to get and i did what i needed and sacrificed and just enough until i hit my breaking point and burnt out and then said no i'm not just coming i'm not just leaving like i'm not i'm not coming back you know so you're not teaching right now I'm teaching part-time uh with the city of burnaby and that's where i'm going the last year and that's and that kind of stumbled by mistake got referred and i'm very broken and very um knew my my boundaries i knew like i don't need this but if you want if we want to do this this is how Mm -hmm. it needs to work for me um Mm -hmm. because i'm I'm not going to restart for the fourth time to try and build something for myself and timing and in very short short way of description uh, timing, relationships, and receptivity of the audiences, the demographics, and the person that is still my coordinator, that just all fell into place. And then I'd finally built like 12 to 15 a week in one place on my mm. own, finally. And mm. um, COVID hit. Mm. So that was like, okay, all right, I tried. I tried again, and sometimes, and I it was very successful. So I'm still there, but two classes a week, and I'm grateful mm-hmm. to even have have that i'm grateful to even have that yeah and i'm just hoping that 
when COVID transitions that even if it's not never going to be the same, it'll at least neutralize for it to be enough for my own, my own life, mm. you know, in short, my whole, my life, because one thing the pandemic has taught me is that I need to teach and mm. I am a studio teacher. I'm a community builder mm-hmm. and that can be done mm. in many ways. But for me, this whole Zoom stuff just doesn't work for me. It's great as a podcast platform, which is a great blessing to connect mm. people. Mm-hmm. But if someone said to me, you're going to be on a camera doing this format for teaching for the rest of your life, I'd say, all right, well, I'll do I'll do some of it, but it's not going to be my 24-7 live and breathing. It's just, it's not, it's yeah. not cut out for everybody. Certain you know? things you won't sacrifice for... Yeah. Well, and that just, it all comes back to like your, what Nicole, your intention, your intent, your why, your impact, you know, and, um, you know, I think that specifically with the yoga studio that I had, what ended up happening to me is that I, I lost that why and that intention and all it was about was survival. Yeah. All it was about was ending, ending up to be about my survival of, um, making enough money to put gas in my car. Like that's, that's literally what it ended up being. So, um, you know, it's, and you, you kind of pivot and you try to find different ways of doing things and and you just, you can't, you know, hero, it's, it's amazing that you've restarted yourself and, and done it three or four times. And, you know, that's kind of just not, not to belittle that, but it's life too. Like it's going to happen again. Yeah, it is life. It's the process. Process. Mm. leave it to the jewish resilience i mean but 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 actually you know yeah yeah, yeah. it's true and you are very resilient oh well thank you but enough mm-hmm. about me nicole mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i was actually looking at the langara website last night and mm-hmm. i noticed an update um mm-hmm. saying that the yoga integrated yoga therapy program is no longer being offered in its full capacity None of the programs are offered there. The whole department was closed down uh, around December. Okay. 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 So, yeah, we put that up on the um, website. We put it out on our newsletter and we announced it in social media. Mm -hmm. Um, The college really took a hit uh, during the pandemic. And there were also some shifts in upper management. Um, who had sort of a different focus. So a few, you know, pretty well-established, highly regarded kind of programs um, were cut. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I think that overall there's there's a restructuring happening there. Um, my role there as the program coordinator really was supposed to be temporary. I was only yeah. supposed to be there for about three months and then mm-hmm. that ended up getting extended. And it happened that I was there during the pandemic, which mm-hmm. was so odd because all of a sudden it was like, I'm holding the space for this program, several programs and having to really like fight for the, those programs fight to, mm-hmm. to run them fight to keep them and mm-hmm. in some ways it felt like fighting for something that wasn't exactly mine you know yeah. but it, yeah that program is is no longer which is unfortunate right it was like 12 or 13 years old uh it, those were beautiful programs it was the first i think the only yoga teacher training that 
had ever been established in a post-secondary yeah. yes. um, institution. And, yes. um, you know, the, the teachers in that program, um, the developers of those programs, the managers, like everybody, like those people were very, very, very committed. Yes. Yes. And so that's so, yeah. why, and that's why I mentioned that because I, I was, again, talk about adapting and changing and resilience. You know, I made it an, a conscious choice for this year to yeah. be the go into my yoga therapy programming and that right. the specific curriculum and outline of what the Langara one looked like actually kind of met what I was looking for that I felt other yoga therapy trainings lacked or didn't work for my clinical mindset. Mm-hmm. And I can see your, your expression in <laughs> And it's, but, it, but you know what I mean, though? It's like, yeah, like, know? and we had, you know, we had a lot of people that were taking other programs there that were going to, you know, flow into that. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was a heartbreak to close it down. Yeah. And it, but it wasn't really something that we had a lot of choice around. It was kind sure. of like, of course. Um, but yeah, it's unfortunate. There are some other, programs out there that are really great mm-hmm. if that is you know a direction that you want to go in but you know as we were sort of saying before kind of to circle back it's like it's a it's a business and yeah mm-hmm. you know you're yeah, running a business yeah. yeah yeah with covid now and even after covid it's not something that i think is going to be realistic in terms of the next 10 years maybe Mm. in the future there might be a resurgence in my opinion with the Mm. minimal knowledge that i have to see the foresight but Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting how we look at i'm gonna go and do this i'm gonna go and do that and again nope right Mm -hmm. and then it's like okay great because i'm not a school person as we've we've all kind of talked about Mm -hmm. and so the final one time i'm like i'm gonna go back to school and it's like and no you're not (laughs) it's like you're gonna go to school school of life you're not going to a college like yeah that's great school of life exactly yeah yeah Yeah. so i and i was and i was going to mention that as well because nicole has come in and out of my sphere kind of ebbing and flowing through the years because i mean it's I guess it was eight years ago, actually, this month Mm. that you and I met. And Mm -hmm. one thing I do want to gush a little bit about you, Nicole, is that you've always been there as an advocate, as a supporter, and I don't take that lightly by any mean. Um, Mm. But you've always seen people for who they are and those people that are trying to do something different or that are genuinely wanting to connect and do something um, with what they have to share. And so I've always given you credit for that in more than just that, but just, you've always been real. Right. Mm. And I remember when, um, when I did my 500 hour and you came in and facilitated the training again. So I had mm-hmm. the privilege of being in that training twice. Mm-hmm. Um, it was this, re- it's really neat to kind of see those evolutions and how people grow, how they change mm-hmm. and how commitment makes all the difference. Cause what you've done with yoga outreach, what you've done with your own personal business and the things you put out there. I mean, can you think of any main takeaways? I mean, because you're still doing everything you're doing. But can you think of a few takeaways that you can share with our listeners, our viewers that will see this, um, that maybe they don't know? Like, what are a few things that they would, you, you could pass, pass down to those people? Oh, my goodness. Um, 
Well, I mean, do you mean in terms of like cultivating a yoga career that's fulfilling? Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yoga career, but also maybe life lessons, even oh expanding it beyond yoga. Like we're getting really juicy. Like we're getting really like just. And the first thing that the comes sets. to mind is like, am I now at that age where people are asking me for life lessons? Um <laughs> I was like, really? Did did that just happen? Life lessons so far. Oh my God. Uh, In in brackets. In brackets. (laughs) I'm I'm really I'm not I'm really not sure if I have a lot to to provide in terms of advising people on how to live their lives. I, I guess that for me, um the you know, and I talk about this a lot in my work and, you know, it's a little bit like a broken record, but for me, the most important thing has always been relationships. So mm-hmm. whether that's, you know, relationships with my family, you know, with my partner, with my friends, with my students, with my clients, much of what I do is relationship-based and often not always intentionally sort of coming back into like, how can I be connected? How can I have other people connect? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I guess that I've always had a bit of, although I'm relatively independent, I've always had a compulsion to bring folks together and create community. And that's been one of the things that's been really exciting for me, um, and, you know, sort of like what you were saying, Hero, like supporting people and finding their own expression out in the world and, and giving them a little a little encouragement, you know, in any way that I can, because I got a lot of that, you know. I, I had a lot of privilege and, and, and I got a lot of encouragement to express myself in an authentic way out in the world. And so I feel like... Um, I get a lot out of being able to do that with other people. So I don't know if that's a life lesson or not, but I'm not sure if I'm totally in a position to be offering that yet. You got to wait until I'm like in my seventies or something. (laughs) We'll have you back when you're in your seventies. You know what I mean? Like, give me, give me a little time here. Sounds good. Sounds good. (laughs) Rachel, you good to do this for another few decades? Well, I was going to say Hero's not the best at telling age too, I think. And I've, we've said this story about a bajillion times on the podcast, but when Hero and I first met, I know he's rolling his eyes because I think we told this yesterday too. When Hero and I first met, um, what was that? Like six, six, five years ago, maybe now? Something like that. Yeah, he's just going to ignore what I'm going to say. But basically I was saying that I was super sweaty and we were at actually beautiful. So we were down mm-hmm. at a, you know, juice- in low, low. Low, in Lower Lonsdale, um, and uh, and he said to me, "Are you having a hot flash?" And it was the first time we met. <laughs> so that's, that's he dug deep down into his understanding of women's health, right? Yeah, and diagnosed, right. yeah, right, right. So yeah. Anyway, um, no, I mean, I I think. Yeah, relationships, communication. I mean, those are all very important things, especially now. I mean, more than ever. I mean, he, people mm-hmm. are, you know, I think 
it depends on where you are in the world with the pandemic, because some, some places are still under very strict lockdown and some places are a bit more open than they were. Um, but, you know, um, being isolated and feeling like loneliness, all those types of things that um, cultivating those relationships and communication with others is more important than ever right now. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's also I think it's more difficult than it ever has been as well, just because of what's going on. So it's, um, it's just, you know, it's just one of those things right now. Something that I I was really curious about was how, how did you come to Vancouver? I know now we're going back, we're kind of jumping back and forth, but how did you go from being in the States to coming to Canada? I'm curious. You know, my mother fell in love with Vancouver in a National Geographic magazine. Hmm. Wow. And she met my father and they decided to go on a road trip. And um, she said, let's go through Vancouver. And they did. And he fell in love with the mountains. And there Hmm. was a university just opening up here called Simon Fraser University. Yeah. Um, And so he applied for a job and they um, continued on their road trip. I was conceived in a van. So... Mm -hmm. It started out in a very illustrious manner mm-hmm. and um, he got that job. And uh, so that's when we got our citizenship and there was a little bit of moving back and forth, but I, I landed here ultimately for good when I was nine years old. Okay. Oh, wow. wow. Thank you. Graphic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And thank you, Van. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so where in Vancouver did you grow up primarily? Did you hop around or did you have a specific area that you were? I hopped around. I mean, my, uh, my folks separated and I was raised primarily by my mom. And so we moved around a fair bit Mm -hmm. um, because finances were an issue. Um, And so West Side, East Side, uh, West End, and most of my years have been spent in the downtown East Side and in Strathcona. So I live okay. in Strathcona now, which is sort of on the border of the downtown East Side. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I've lived here for close to 20 years. Oh. Okay. okay. Got it. And not, and I know we're coming into the kind of the transitioning of a conversation, Mm. Um, not quite yet, but did, was living in the Strathcona area, any kind of inspiration or stimulus for you to work with that kind of population or was it a side effect or maybe neither? Um, you know, I was living in East Vancouver, because that's where I could afford to live. Yeah, yeah. And I have always, I think, been oriented to social work, yep. social justice work. Um, and so living in an environment that had a lot of those kinds of services, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, it was probably fed into that a bit. Um, I got very interested in this work. I was working at the BC Compassion Club Society in my early 20s, and I I worked there for about five years. And the BC Compassion Club Society is is BC's oldest compassion club, and it's only 
nonprofit. Okay. Uh, it has a wellness center next to it, and they use the um, the proceeds from the cannabis sales to offset the costs of alternative or complementary healing modalities. So their members get access to acupuncture, wow. um, herbalists, counseling. Okay. And it was a consensus-based decision-making model organization with 40 people in it, which is a big job to be doing consensus, and non-hierarchical. Hmm. So I, I learned a lot there, and my primary job there was doing intakes. So hmm. I would have people's intake forms, and I would spend about an hour and a half with them, interviewing them in order to assess their needs, and also introducing them to the medicine and the services that we had there. And often what I was doing was, you know, an, uh, three or four of these hour and a half long intakes or interviews with people who were living with chronic and terminal illnesses. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I got it, from working there, I got very, very interested in this idea of like, who gets access to healthcare right. and who doesn't. And, right. you know, the connection between social justice and access to healthcare. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and then as when I was there, that's when I started getting into yoga. And, and okay. that's how I sort of made that connection. Okay. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. It was an amazing, amazing place to work. And I, I it's just one of those periods in my life where the learning continues there's a few of those but the learning just reverberates that's where I learned how to facilitate a lot of meetings it's it's where I learned how to do a lot does it still exist it still exists it's still around I, I have no idea what's happening there you know they're I think they've been around for like 30 years now or something wow um but yeah they're they were really, really, really a great organization, and that was before legalization. So what we were doing was civil was an act of civil disobedience, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, I'm going to look that up. Actually. Yeah, yeah, I'd never even never even heard of it, which is great. The fact that yeah, that they're over around. on commercial, the BCCCS. Okay. Amazing, mm -hmm. amazing. Okay, well, we'll definitely um, add that into our show notes and everything mm -hmm. else that was referenced in our discussion with you Great. today. Um, and then in terms of just kind of not last, again, because I said like life lessons, so not life lessons, not necessarily last words, but is there anything that you want to give a shout out to, anything you want to um, give a little nudge to um, where people can find what you're doing or what others can find what you're doing or what others are doing that you want others to know about? Um, well, in terms of the work that I'm doing, people can find out about that at my website, which is um, Fine Balance Yoga. .ca. Uh, yoga Outreach is yogaoutreach.com. And if you connect to Yoga Outreach, then you get uh, access to um, education uh, with lots of different facilitators, um, some really, really interesting programs. And as I said, you know, those programs are really on a sliding scale. So yoga teacher trainings um, and other kinds of professional development and personal development and um yeah i Love think it. that's it for the shout out 
That's I love amazing. it. Amazing. Well, before we um, fully wrap up this conversation, I do just wanted to commend you for all the work that you have done for our community and for our, our generations. And it's just one of, the, again, one of the most prolific trainings I think I've done. Definitely one of the best short form trainings I've Me done too. in Me my, too. in my course of, of my teaching so far. And the, the warmth and this, the way you can cultivate space with that many people in one room is pretty phenomenal. And especially awesome. where it may not be, it might not, it might be completely foreign to those that are coming into the first initial training too, that have no mm. experience. And then they kind of dive into it and say, this is what we're doing. And this is why you're here. Um, it takes a, the, a really specific kind of skill set to make a safe space for those people. So commending you for that major props. And Thanks. thank you for being. Uh, there's something that I just, no, I just had this, like, I was like, I'm like, oh yeah, it was Nicole that taught me about boundaries. <laughs> and, no, but because that's something else. So there's like, and, and I just, what I love is like, what you do is you shine a light on some areas that are not necessarily in a generic or a general 200 hour teacher training. So these mm-hmm. are additional things that I think every yoga teacher um, should be considering, honestly. And something that's very, I know we're, we're about to wrap up here, but just something that I just was like, oh my God, that's right. Like, you know, we're, something else we're not really taught about is you're connecting with someone on such a emotional and, you know, especially for someone like me, who I'm a bit of an empath. So Mm -hmm. I will take on other people's emotions and feelings. And there is that word boundary that that's also something that's not really taught in our teaching. Mm. That's a really important, not just emotional boundaries, all kinds of boundaries, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, we definitely touch on that in in some of the work that I do. And you're right, yoga teachers don't get taught much about that. And that can end up being very problematic, as we've seen. Absolutely. So I just, again, just personally, I want to thank you for those those little gems um, throughout my quote unquote career (laughs) as well. But um, yeah, again, thank you so much for taking the time to. My be- pleasure. Mm-hmm. Do you thank ask- you so much for thinking of me. Oh my God. You were one of the first people I thought of when I thought Yay. about with the chat with and to catch up with. And Rachel, do you want to ask the question? We'll ask the silly question because we, we have to end it on a bit of a silly note instead of right. so serious. So uh, our question for you is, if you were a juice, what would you be and why? Not a trick question. Oh, if you were a juice, what would you be and why? Um, I don't know. It's weird. The first thing that came to mind was carrot. Okay. Mm, that's, that's a new one. Um, I, I, and I think I'd be carrot juice because it's like, I don't taste very good, but I'm good for you. <laughs> that's How's the- that? I love it. I think that's that's, that's is that that's okay? Great. I, think I was that's like fantastic. Carrot juice is kind of gross, but it's good for you, so I'll go for that. There you go. That's absolutely perfect. <laughs> so enjoy the rest of your day. Have a good Thanks. rest of your week, and thank you so much for your gracing Rachel and myself with your time. And it really means a lot for me, for sure, to have you. Um, yes, it does. Full circle um, to have you on our show yeah. um, for everything Thanks. you've done for me and for Rachel as well. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to see what you're creating, and I appreciate being a part of it. Thank you. No problem. We'll keep in touch. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Let me see the recording.
Yes. Yes, for sure. And, and when do you think it'll be out, Rachel? Hmm, the weekend-ish. I'll send, I'll send you the links. Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Okay. Take good care. Well, you Bye. Bye. Bye.